How we doing? Sweet. Well, we've been in a bit of a hiatus. You guys remember uh, we were studying the book of Proverbs together as a church, and uh, and then we just suddenly ended. But that was because uh, Easter came, and then for the last several weeks, we've been focusing on missions in various different ways, and we'll actually hop back into Proverbs next week and finish that series. But we we got to talk about Hope Center for a couple weeks, and we took up that Big Give offering, which we met, uh, which is amazing. Um, and then we got to participate in Serve Sunday. And today, here in a little bit, we're going to be talking about Uganda and how we're supporting a ministry there. But I, I want to talk to you about uh, missions for a few minutes this morning before we hear about Uganda. And the song we just sang really kind of encapsulates what this is about. And that is, is there... Is there one who's worthy of putting all our life's foundation on? Is, is there a joy? Is there a person? Is there a God who's worthy of all our worship? And who's worthy of all the world's worship? I believe that there is. I believe we're going to see that in Scripture. So if you would, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew 24. And we're going to look at kind of a complex... Uh, Passes of scripture, just a little bit of it. This is what's called the Olivet Discourse, uh, which just a fancy way of saying Jesus talk on the Mount of Olives. Um, but uh, but it's controversial because it deals a lot with the end times. And you know, the minute we start talking about the end times, there's all these different uh, opinions and viewpoints. You know, are you this millennial or that millennial? Is the rapture happening here or here or there? Or not at all, or who knows? You know, and we're not getting into really any of that this morning. Um, but that does make this a little complicated. But we're just going to look at the first few verses which I believe um, really in, in these first few verses, Jesus is talking about the whole age from when he first spoke until now and he comes again. He's describing what this period of time looks like. Uh, and so let's read this together. So Matthew 24, if you don't have a Bible and you like one, the usher's are already on it and I'm, I'm just running ahead. Um, <laughs> but raise your hands and you can get a, a copy of God's word uh, or you can read on the screen with us if that's your preference. But, uh, but Matthew 24, and we're going to begin at verse 1. And here's what it says. It says, Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, you see all these? Do you not? Truly, I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, remember the Olivet Discourse? This is Jesus talking the Mount of Olives. And they can see the temple from where they're sitting. So they're sitting on the Mount of Olives, they can see it. Jesus just talked about it. And he says, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you are not alarmed, for this must first take place, but the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places, all of these are but the beginning of birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation, and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold but the one who endures the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now again, part of what makes this chapter super complicated, and we're not getting really into the complicated part, is the disciples asked Jesus two questions. Did you catch that? I think they think they're asking him one question, but they're really asking him two. And if you look back up 
and says, in verse three, it says, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be? Remember, they just pointed out the, the temple. It said, in Mark's version of this, they're like, Jesus, look how amazing these, these buildings of the temple are. Look how beautiful it is. It was, it was one of the wonders of the world. And they, it, it, was, it was amazing. And they're like, look, look how great this is. And he's like, it's all going to be torn down. So then later, they're sitting up on the hill, and they're like, hey, when will these things be? And it says... Tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age. Now, I think in their mind, those two events they think are tied together. Surely, if the temple is destroyed, that means the end of the world. And that the day of the Lord is upon us where the Messiah is going to judge all the nations and put things back right. And they assume they're together. Although some things that Jesus later says in this chapter and the chapter following, he alludes to the fact that it may be a long time. But really, there's two events. There's the destruction of the temple, which happened in 70 AD, so about 2,000 years ago. And then there's the end times and the coming again of Jesus. And so depending on your end times viewpoint, <laughs> you know, all the commentators take this in various different ways. Which part applies to the temple? Which part applies to the end times? Is the temple going to be rebuilt? And then it applies again. But clearly in verses 15, there's a little section 15 to like 28 or so, that definitely applies at least to the first destruction of the temple that happened in 70 AD. And it was awful. And, and all these things were happening. But I think in these first 14 verses, what Jesus is describing to us is the end times, and we've been living in the end times for 2,000 years. We've been living in the, the age of the church, the age in which the, the, the gospel goes forth to all nations, and, and these verses that we just read, I, I think they describe our time right now, and I think they describe that time back then, and everything in between until Jesus comes again. And I don't think that's that controversial of an end times opinion. If you disagree with me, just give me grace and ignore it. But, um, but I don't think I'm saying anything outlandish depending on where you land. Okay? And again, some people think this will be recapitulated or, or fulfilled initially, and then again, it just kind of depends on your viewpoint. But what does Jesus say about this? Did you notice all the things he says about the times that we're living in? He says, false messiahs and false prophets the fact, this is Leon Morris, the fact that God's true Messiah has come will not prevent false teachers from arguing persuasively that they are the Messiah and convincing many, and that will be confusing to many ordinary believers. And it's important that his apostles be clear on this truth. There is only one Messiah, and Jesus is who he is. They must expect that there will be people who claim to be the Messiah and that they will attract large followings. David Platt brings up, you know, like Jim Jones and David Koresh and other people who have blatantly called themselves the Messiah. And that continues to happen in our age, does it not? It happened back in Bible days. There were many false people who claimed to be Christ. And then, and then David Platt actually says, or Leon Morris, one of them says, you know, there, there are people who talk about Jesus in such a way that it, it sounds so good, but if you compare it to the way that the Bible describes Jesus, you go, this is a different guy. And so Jesus says all these things to help us out. Beware, there's going to be false prophets and false messiahs who are going to lead many astray. There's going to be warfare and famines and earthquakes. You're going to look around at the world at times and feel like, what is going on? There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to look around and feel like this world feels a little bit out of control. And in that moment, our faith reminds us that there is one who is in control. And, and not even a hair falls from our head. Not even a sparrow falls to the ground that is not completely under his control. And so when we look about living in the end times, we look about and we see, man, just false gospels and false prophets 
and false messiahs. And we look around and we see wars and rumors of wars and, and upheaval in the Middle East or even in our own country, even in the social fabric of America or wherever we may live. And, and there's famine. Right now there's flooding, crazy flooding in Utah because they got so much snow this year that the water has to go somewhere. Jesus is saying this is how the world is. Why? In part because Romans 8 says this. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And that's exactly how Jesus describes it. These are but the beginning of birth pains. This, this place in which we live, this world in which we live, is a place that has been drastically affected by the fall. It's been drastically affected by sin. And so even nature doesn't work the way in which God intended it originally to work because sin has invaded the cosmos and affected everything. So that even making a living, even having general children is fraught with pain and hardship and hard work. And those are the times in which we live. If you look back at 24 again, it's verse 4, see that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead away many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed, for this must first take place, but the end's not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of birth pains. Verse 9, then they will deliver you up to tribulation, and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away. I mean, Jesus told us straight up, he said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. And so we should expect that in this time in which we're living, some are going to be martyred. Christians are going to be persecuted for their faith. There's going to be times when people hate us for nothing more than the fact that we claim the name of Jesus. And some are going to fall away from the faith. I don't know about you, I was thinking about it this week, but I began ministry roughly in 1998. <laughs> Wasn't paid ministry, but I was in college, and I helped kind of start a college ministry, and I led worship three times a week. A lot of you didn't know that. For like four years on guitar all the time. Wasn't paid or anything. I was just leading my friends in worship. And then I was a youth pastor with Chris Royalty for about four years before he came to plant here. And then he came and planted this church here, and then I eventually followed him. And as I look back over the years, I can see specific people in my mind, both from this church and the one where I serve, <coughs> served as a youth pastor who have essentially fallen away from the faith. I mean, good friends, people that I was close to. I remember, I'm not going to use any names. remember one kid who played in worship band with me who overdosed on drugs and is dead. And I don't know what his standing with Jesus was. He struggled throughout his life. Another friend of ours who has completely abandoned Christianity and is now a lesbian and thinks everything to do with Christianity is just a lie and awful. Know another student who I knew who now believes he's another gender and is completely confused. And they have walked away from the faith. And I could go on. And maybe some of you in this room are struggling with those things, and so I don't bring up those things at all to condemn, but to tell you that Jesus is worth clinging to. And Jesus is more important than even our sexuality or whatever identity that we feel that we might need to cling to. Because any identity that we cling to more than Jesus will disappoint us 
whether that be a job or a family or uh, a sexual ideology or, or anything like that. And Jesus says that's what's going to happen. And some are going to fall away from the faith. But then he says this. He says, verse 14. Well, verse 13 and 14. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. So endure to the end, folks. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So so what, what are the end times like? What are these times that we're living in? They're times marked by persecution and by false teachings and false messiahs. They're, they're times marked by famine and earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars. They're times of unrest where we could get shaken, but Jesus tells us don't be shaken. And there are also times where the gospel is spreading to every nook and cranny of the universe because God has it in his mind. It talks about it in Revelation to, to gather for himself a people from every tongue and tribe and people and nation. And so again, to go back to the, the song we were singing right before I got up here, Jesus is worth building your life upon. And he's so worth building your life upon that we want others throughout the world, throughout the universe, to know that he's worth building their life upon, that their life will only make sense in him. And they need to know the truth of the gospel. And Romans 10 makes it very clear that how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall they preach unless people are sent to preach and how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And so you and I, as the followers of Jesus, are all missionaries. We're the sent people of God. And God has given us a commission. And he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I'm with you in the midst of this chaos, Ben's version, always even into the end of the age. And so that's why as 24 Church, we want to be involved in missions. We want to be involved in missions on, it, I'll tell you how I think about it. Jesus said, I want you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts. Jerusalem, and this makes sense, right? That's, our, that's where they were, that's the city they lived in. So it's our local community. Judea was the larger area in which the, we could think of that as the United States. Samaria, sometimes we think, well, that's a little further out. It's not what Samaria is. Remember, Samaritans were the people that they struggled to even treat like human beings. There was all this racial tension with Samaria. And so to go to Samaria means to go to the people that no one else is paying attention to. It's to go to to the hard places. It is to do things like we're doing with the Hope Center and the food pantry and other things like that. We want to go where no to, to people that no one's paying attention to. And the uttermost parts of the earth is global missions. And so we as 24 Church want to be involved in all these areas. We want to go to the nations and be involved in supporting the nations. So right now, when you give to 24 Church just weekly offerings, tithes, you're helping support a lot of these things. I just want to remind you um, where your money's going. And, and if you're on the membership page on Facebook, uh, you get updates from these folks. One of, the, one of the advantages to being a member. But right now, we're supporting through prayer and through, through finances. Um, you know, Gary Morgan in Nashville, who's working in downtown Nashville, which is, I think, what do he say, 80% non-Christian in the urban core, Chris? Is that what he said? I think that's right. 80% in Nashville, in the urban core, don't claim Christ. Um, we support a church in Donaldson with uh, Ryan Coatney called Grace Story. We support our local FCA, Andrew Fortner, who's ministering amongst middle school and high school students here uh, and other guys. Uh, we are supporting this Hope Center, the big food truck, Serve Sunday, all local missions. We helped in a small way uh, with Real Life Sango that is blowing up and doing great in Sango. We uh, supported a church in Austin, Texas for a while with a guy named Russ. 
We support currently a church in Boston, Massachusetts, also largely unreached. We support the Jones family who works who work amongst the Somali peoples. Uh, and it was in Nashville, and now they've just recently moved to Columbus, Ohio. But they're working to bring Somalis to Christ. We support the Killebrew family who work amongst the Sikh peoples in Queens, New York City. We support a church in Tokyo called Soma Tokyo and Pastor Yoshi. Tokyo would be considered an unreached area. And I'll talk about that in a second. We support Wayne and Donna, who are in Northern Africa. There was a person called out of this church, and she and her husband now work in the Middle East amongst unreached people groups. We can't even say their name for security reasons. And we support Pastor James and the Chosen Junior School and Grace and Glory Chapel in Matuga, Uganda. That's what you guys are doing. And here's what I want to encourage you. Do it even more. Lay down your life for the cause of missions, for the cause of bringing glory to Jesus. Maybe God might call you to give above and beyond even what you're giving here, specifically to one of these ministries. Maybe he might call you to help serve in the food pantry in some special way or at the Hope Center in some special way. Who knows? But as God lays things on your heart, he is worthy of our affection and devotion. He's worthy of giving our lives to, and he's, he's worthy to make famous in all the world. Um, an unreached people group, technic, technically, we've, we've, they've, mission organizations have created these terms to kind of help us get a, our mind around it. But an unreached people group is a, is a place where, I'll just read this, um, a society among which there's no established local community of believers. Small to non-existent church often also lacks the resources to evangelize the people group. So um, this is David Platt. When we say unreached, we're not just talking about lostness. We're talking about access. Unreached means they don't have access to even hear the gospel. There's no church. There's no Christian. There's no Bible available. God has not just commanded us to make the gospel known amongst as many people as possible. He has commanded us to make the gospel known amongst all the nations. And so approximately right now, there's about 7,000 still unreached people group, which means that they're less than 2% evangelical in that country. So like Tokyo, unreached, because it's 1.5% Christian, not even evangelical. It's like 0.5% evangelical. Again, in the person I referred to earlier in the Middle East, unreached people group. And then throughout these countries that even would be considered reached, there are pockets of people groups who are unreached and who still don't have access to the gospel. So that is 24. Why we're involved with this and why we want to continue to be involved with this and why we want to give our hearts to the nations and to people everywhere that have not yet experienced the love of God. And so for the rest of today, I, I want to invite uh, Nancy Johnson and Chris up here, and they're going to talk a little bit more about what's going on in Uganda with the Chosen Junior School and with Grace and Glory Chapel. We had hoped to have uh, Pastor James here today, and visas didn't work out. But you can join us in praying that in the future he'd be able to come, first time leaving Uganda to come to the U.S., and, and we would get to see his face. That's our hope in the future. But we're going to watch a video briefly, and then they're going to come up and share some more. So I'm Nancy Johnson. My husband is Bruce. We have four sons, Vince, Ben, Gus, and Oscar. My friend Nancy Wilson told her prayer partners and friends about um, what she called her spiritual son, James. He had started a school for orphans, so there were about 40 kids and he felt called to do this because he had been raised without his father. We were praying about how we could help with that, and at the time I was an art teacher, well, God gave me the idea. He's like, if these kids sent you artwork, you could put on a big show and auction it off. We had the art show at our house and raised $600. James was thrilled. He's like, we, we need to do this again. And in the meantime, I just kind of kept putting him off because we were moving, and we didn't know anybody here. I almost felt like I was doing a disservice, kind of like false hope, because I didn't know who would buy this artwork. Three days later, we came here to church for the very first time. Then Chris started talking about missions, and he specifically said that they wanted to be more intentional about global missions and being connected. 
and he said, you know, we find that those things happen more um, if there's a person or somebody with a passion or a connection or something. And he's like, maybe you're sitting here today and you're that person. And I'm just like, you know, looking at Bruce like, are you kidding me? So needless to say, we were home, like this is our church. And four months later, we lined that whole hallway out, out there in the church with artwork from the kids. And in that one morning, like we sold out and made $6,000. The people that I had no idea where they would come from, like who would buy this artwork, like God knew that it was everybody here at 24. The birth of Jesus Christ. And the next thing that happened was in December, David Rawls had been working with James. Jesus! Teaching the kids in Africa the same song that the kids in Pleasant View were learning. It was really cool. It just seemed natural at that point that we needed to start making plans to go and visit. So we made our first trip. There's the water tank. It's currently empty. It was, it was overwhelming because we drove through the city and, you know, if you haven't seen that kind of, like depression is what I think, not, not emotional depression, but like physically everything is just kind of in a depressed state. <laughs> then we started meeting the people and that, that was the game changer because they, all of them kept telling us, you're home, you're home, Uganda's your home. This is the chosen school where they currently meet. And then to see the school, that was, that was interesting. Since our first trip in July of 2016, we've traveled back to Uganda in July of 2017 and November of 2018. And the school is now two stories tall, made of brick, on the land we purchased from the sale of the student artwork back in 2015. So we have two more stories to build before it's complete, but we're patient and God's timing is perfect. We've founded a nonprofit called Chosen with a Mission, which is the umbrella organization for the Chosen Junior School and the Grace and Glory Chapel. And if you'd like information or want to reach us, you can do that through our Facebook page, Chosen with a Mission, or our website, chosenwithamission.com. Praise the Lord, dear Frankfurt Church members and everybody. I'm Pastor Chinti James of Grace and Glory Chapel, School Headmaster to the Junior School, and the board member to the Mission Ministries. I just want to send my love and greeting to you all. Thank you for standing with us in prayers and in finances, and thank you for working together with Anansi and Uncle Bruce in all that you're doing. I send my love and greeting to the Frankfurt Church members and all of you. May the Lord continue blessing you abundantly. Bye bye. Welcome, Aunt Nancy Johnson. I've got a couple questions for you. Do you do this all so that they will sing songs in your name? Is that... that was slightly awkward, honestly. We had no idea they would be like serenading us. And poor Bruce got the brunt of it like, right in his face. <laughs> uh, we should have gotten an extra camera just for Bruce's face in that moment if we had known. Uh, we, uh, we're, we're so glad for you to be able to share today. Uh, we, like Ben mentioned, we had hoped that, uh, Pastor James could have been with us today, but, uh, things just didn't work out, uh, for him to get over here to the States. And so, uh, there were a lot of plans that were being made and then they weren't. I was going to get a, a t-shirt made of my U S tour. Cause I've been like fulfilling all, like a lot of his dates. So this is the last like concert on my tour. Last, last stop on the tour. Yeah. I got it. Speaking of which, won't you tell everybody what your first concert was? <laughs> so Public Enemy. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I knew he'd be making fun of me the whole time. Well, you know. Bruce asked me if I was going to take it easy on you, and I was like, well, you know. Um, why don't you why don't you share with us a little bit about how how you guys got involved uh, with this? What 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 brought this about to be the thing that uh, uh, you felt led to and called to? Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, I did get to share on my tour at Fuel the other night. And it was a younger crowd, and I felt like, you know, I'm going to tell them kind of the pre-story. But I've always been an artist since I was little. And so I've always had that art background. So, you know, you see the connection with the student artwork. Um, but when I got older, I subscribed to National Geographic with my own money. And I would, like, read cover to cover. And I wanted to travel the world. And um, I especially wanted to go to Africa. I collected giraffes. I was all about, you know, I'm going to get to Africa. At the, you know, at the time, it had nothing to do with God. It was all the things I wanted to do. And uh, I had some friends who went, and I had never felt such jealousy, you know. Um, but fast forward, like life happens. I went to college. I met Bruce. Um, I got saved, which Chris was surprised to hear the other day. <laughs> I got saved at what I thought was a yard sale when I was 30. And uh, that changed everything. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. I wrote it in my Bible. I wrote, a funny thing happened on the way to the yard sale. <laughs> but it was through, through, through that. This is and, a great deal. <laughs> that's all right there. God knows where to meet us. He really does. But um, through that, the, the lady I met, um, she introduced me to Nancy Wilson, who is, she passed away a couple years ago, but she um, introduced me to James just through email, you know, and... Uh, one of our sons and I sold some things on eBay, and we raised $200, and we sent it to James. And when he sent back pictures of what they were able to build, we were like, this is, this is amazing. Like, what are we doing? This was just junk in our closet. And, and it was then, and I, you know, I can look back now after 10 years of all this, but I see how God used like, that desire for Africa and my, that you know, love for travel. And you know, he just put all the pieces together, and I always think of, I think it's Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will grant you the desires of your heart. So he has. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I never set out to be a missionary, just so you know. And I still, I cringe at that word because I don't, I don't know. I'm just making friends and sharing Jesus. <laughs> but I did wear a skirt that looks missionary. <laughs> All right. Please go. This is why I need prepared stuff or I just oh, ramble. Yeah. No, I, got, I got questions for days. We're good. Okay. Uh, they don't have anything to do with Uganda, though. So That's fine. Um, <laughs> now, uh, tell, us, uh, tell us about what the needs are there uh, yeah. with, with Chosen. Now, to help everybody understand, there is a school, yes. and then there is basically a church. Yes. What they call their chapel. Yes. Uh, maybe, it's a church. I which mean, is a church, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so maybe explain a little bit of that and, sure. and tell us a little bit about the needs there. Okay. Well, when James started, they don't have public education. So there were kids in his neighborhood not going to school, and he wanted to do something about it. So he rented land and had these little, like, shacks, and those were classrooms. That's You saw a little of that. Um, the school exploded. It went from 40 to, like, 150 the next year to, like, 300. And um, then we got land, but it's been very slow going building because each floor, you know, they pay up front. The construction, everything is very different than here. When they're going to do a project, they need all that money up front. So we've been doing it just piecemeal. Um, but in the meantime, we started raising money monthly and we're able to pay their teachers. So we pay their salaries. The teachers are there so the kids have a place to come and we feed them um, one meal a day. It comes to like eight cents per student, and it's it's like a cup of gruel. It's really gross, but um, they add sugar to it to make it palatable. Um, so we're trying to get the food budget up so that he can add bread and um, fruit. Yeah, and uh, so the needs are really just running the school because it's not an orphanage. Originally, that was kind of the plan, but the government has shut that down because people have taken advantage of that. So our goal, and with the chapels, to support that whole community. Because some of these people in the community, they'll take five or six kids home with them, you know, during the school season. So did that answer your question? Yeah, I think okay. so. Tell us a little bit about the, about the church. Um, they have about 60 parishioners. They really got started during COVID, and it was kind of funny that he would send pictures, and they had their plastic chairs, you know, were all like six feet apart, <laughs> and they're wearing their masks. Um, but I asked him once, I said, you know, hey, what's your typical monthly tithe collection, you know, so that we kind of knew how to help him out. And he says about $4. So they raise on their own about $4 a week from what the people are able to give. 
but we're able to use that church during the week. The students can go. He holds a Bible study once a week in the evening for the teachers. And any high school students we support, James disciples them. So they have to commit to meeting with him weekly for discipleship or else they actually, we've had one lose their scholarship. Gotcha. Wayward child, yeah. And you guys have been over, how many times have you been over now? Three. Three times. Yeah, we were supposed to go in 2020. Mm -hmm. That got canceled and then postponed, postponed, postponed. So gotcha. we're going this fall, if anyone's interested. Yeah. yeah. You're, all, you're all invited. That's what James would say. All of you come. Yeah, he would love, he would love for all of us to show up. <laughs> he, he really would. <laughs> that would really affect that area. <laughs> yes. Like, yes. <laughs> would be a lot of white folks showing up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And you take some of the whitest white people we have we when do. you go. They were calling Hannah apparently the white witch. Because if, <laughs> if you know Hannah Shadowan, she's very pale. Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. That's a great missionary name. The white witch. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, think, I think she dispelled that, blowing bubbles yeah. for the kids and stuff. But the, the younger they are, the more hesitant they were to get near us. So. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> tell us about the things that we're doing to help. Okay. Yeah. Um, so 24 gives monthly and half, you're our second largest monthly sponsor. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And uh, half of what you give goes towards the operation of the school and half goes to the chapel. But I mean, as you can imagine, as it grows, I mean, the needs, the needs are there and they just continue. And, uh, Actually, Nathan Carr asked me one. He's like, you know, what if someone just gave you a million dollars? Like, would that just... And I was like, that would be amazing if you want to give us a million dollars. Which he did not. <laughs> but, you know, it would satisfy a lot of needs. But, I mean, it's ongoing. We're, and uh, Nancy Wilson, the missionary, her vision was that these kids would be um, world changers. Because they're on the ground in Uganda. You know, we can't all be there. But as they're being educated in Christ, you know, they're the ones who are going to talk to the... They get a lot of refugees in Uganda. And the Muslim population is growing there. So we're really raising these world changers in Christ. So you've got... I know you, you talked about we help provide a meal every day. Uh, we're also helping provide salaries for teachers. Yeah. How many teachers do you know? There are 18. Um, the ideal salary would be 150 a month. That would be competitive. We haven't gotten to that. That's our goal. But they make, depending on if they're preschool teachers, they're half the day or elementary all day. They make between 70 and 110 a month. And the turnaround on teachers, unfortunately, you know, some of them, they get better job offers. They have to leave. So we would love to secure the ones who really want to be there. Helping to provide scholarships to needy, uh, yes. uh, uh, going into high school. Yeah, when the school started 10 years ago, this year is the 10th anniversary of the actual school starting. And it only goes through grade school. So when these kids are done, they go on to high school and Chosen doesn't support them. But James started identifying for us like the neediest students. It's $300 for one student for a year of high school. So we started with like six of these kids. Now we have 15 that we're putting through high school. That's awesome. And like I said, they have to um, stay in co contact with James. They have to be discipled. Like they have to show that they are growing in their faith for us to support them. We help, and you guys help provide uh, for uh, needs of running the chapel, the mm -hmm. church itself. Yes. Uh, uh, adding on to the school building, uh, I know you talked about that uh, in the video, uh, and you do that. One of the things that you guys do is that you do a banquet once mm -hmm. a year, uh, usually at the car barn. Yeah. Uh, that got thrown off by COVID too. So, so during 2020, we actually did an online auction. It was really cool. So Stephen came, and we did a Stephen Carr. We did a live, like video to launch it, and he's like, you know. If, at the $50 level, you get this. And at the $500 level, you get this. And I mean, we made like $20,000. It was, I know. Maybe you should go back That's, to the I online. Know. <laughs> I know, it's a lot less work, but yeah. <laughs> um, man, I had no idea. That's amazing. Yeah, it was great. Uh, and then you've got a trip coming up in October. Yes. We were supposed to go in July. And just timing and people starting classes and stuff. You know, we had like 12 people signed up and it just kept 
people were dropping off like it's not going to work. And I was just telling the Parkers today, like, I mean, you know, we're okay with it because God's got it all planned out. I mean, there's obviously a reason why we're not meant to go till later. Sure. So that we could invite all of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and anybody that's interested can talk to them. You guys have a table set up today, right? Yes. Um, and you can talk to them about the trip. You can talk to them about becoming a monthly sponsor. That's that's one of the things that they're really looking for and need, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, and they and and you can the monthly sponsorship thing. I mean, literally, you can do you know ten dollars a month. You can yeah. do uh, twenty dollars a month, fifty dollars a month, hundred dollars a month. What you know, whatever. Uh, but just you know, to be reminded that the that our money goes so much further mm. uh, that even doing even if you can just do the ten dollar a month thing. Uh, you know, they, you, you can set it up where it just automatically is doing its thing. I mean, 10 bucks is nothing for most of us, you know. And, I mean, just, just to do that is a big deal. It, you it's know, huge. It goes yeah. a long way. <laughs> yeah. uh, so something to think about, something to pray about. Um, or, you know, maybe just like, you know what, it's just, I don't even have to think about it or pray about it. I just know the Lord wants me to do this, mm-hmm. you know. Just go talk to them. that They're set up to, uh, to talk to you and, and help you with that. Uh, today. I know you've got some scripture that you wanted to share. Well, actually, um, what's his face? <laughs> ben. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he shared the Old one about, <laughs> he shared um, the one, you know, Judea, like Jerusalem, Judea. Um, the way I think of it, I mean, the minute my feet hit the floor, I'm on mission because some of my sons in my house are not saved, you know, so and then you go out your front door and then you go to work. And I mean, it's just kind of, I vision, envision it like circles and that just keep going out. But I love that the, I'd never thought of the Samar- Samarians as like those really, the people that we don't necessarily want to engage with. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And actually when the guys from Hope Center were speaking, Zach said something about how he was radically saved, which took me back to, we were at our church in Missouri before we moved here, and our pastor was talking about, you know, I hear people talk about their radical salvation, and he's like, you know, my son's 10, and honestly, I hope that he gets saved, and I hope it's very boring, you know? (laughs) He's like, I don't want him to have to go through, you know, some of these tragic things. And, um, And then he went on to say that every coming to Christ, every salvation story is radical because we've gone from death to life. And that's always stuck with me. And I thought, well, what is my story? What is my story? And, uh, and it hit me when Zach was talking because I grew up in religion and we considered ourselves very prestigious in our religion. And, uh, and I was, you know, a good student and I was a well-behaved child. And in that moment when he was talking and I'm picturing him, you know, saying God pulled him out of this pit. It was like, God pulled me off this pedestal. And I mean, that was so humbling. And I'm even embarrassed to say it. But you know, so over the last 20 years of my salvation and working it out, it's been like tearing down this pedestal. And we're on, we're all on a level playing field. So. And here you are, and now they're singing songs with your name. <laughs> so. And it doesn't help, does it? <laughs> That's too easy. That's too easy. Um, do, you, do you want to share any of these? Um, yeah. Ephesians 2.10. That's like the, the verse of Chosen with a Mission. And it's that we are God's handiwork, created anew in Christ Jesus for the good works he planned for us long ago. And that's like, you know, how I can look back and see, oh my gosh, these things that were so important to me before Jesus it makes sense because God had, God knew I'd be in Uganda and being sung to and all that, (laughs) you know, but yeah, once I submitted, submitted and, and uh, I wrote down what Ben said about Jesus is worth clinging to, you know, if all of this ended, if we weren't doing chosen with a mission, we'd just because of who we are in Christ and our, our identity is in Jesus, we'd be finding the next person or the next group. I mean, Bruce and I, He's my silent partner. He's looking at him back. They're like a bouncer. <laughs> <laughs> now everybody had to look at him. So. <laughs> this is the most uncomfortable moment of his life. Right now. <laughs> uh, he's good with it. And uh, shout out to Bruce, because before we got married, before we were Christians even, we, um, we didn't 
want me to work. Like we knew, we both felt passionate about me being a stay-at-home mom, which comes with lots of sacrifice. And, you know, as the boys got older and all that, I've been able to do what I do because of him doing what he does. And I just always am super appreciative of that. Sorry. <laughs> Pretty awesome. Yeah. So yay for marriage. <laughs> Did he get saved at a yard sale? No. He got saved in our kitchen. <laughs> what were you making? <laughs> it was very sweet. He came up with this little booklet that had like the sinner's prayer and and he's like, I think it's time to make this official. And I didn't, I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, let's do this like our wedding vows. And we held hands and I said part of the prayer and he repeated it. And yeah, it was pretty awesome. Parting, parting notes here. What, uh, mm -hmm. parting ways here. What, uh, what, what do you want people to have as kind of the takeaway today for them to be praying about uh, when it comes to supporting uh, chosen and you guys how can they pray for you guys how can yeah. they come alongside um well like we've said the monthly sponsor sponsorship is huge it, it definitely be praying pray for james and the teachers and the students um and then if you're interested in coming i mean james sincerely wants as many people to yeah. come you know there's nothing like seeing someone face to face looking them in the eye or hugging them so that's huge um i had another story but the band is here so <laughs> Don't is that okay? Yeah, they, they do this like, you know, okay. like intimidation thing sometimes. It's not a big deal. <laughs> oh, stop me. <laughs> He's doing the... <laughs> he, did, he did the doc. You trained him well, doc. <laughs> well, just real quick, because people... I mean, I tend to be positive about things, and I find the good in all of it. And um, But I do have a story that's not really positive, and I had never shared it until at Fuel. But the second trip we went on, we took... <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> we took bags for the students that people had filled here, and I had it all mapped out. I scheduled, you know, all the names highlighted, and they were packed in suitcases so by age, so we would be able to give them out quickly. And they were filled with, like, shoes and clothes and stuff, and the student's name was across it. So when we got there, we had 144 of these bags. And on the way there, James mentioned something about the 300 students. And we're like, dude, we only have 144 bags. And he's like, oh, yes, those are the needy students. And we're like, you know, just blown away. And there was nothing we could do about it in the moment. But so we get into this chapel. And imagine like twice the depth of this room. 300 kids are already sitting there. And we bring in all these suitcases. And we've got, you know, we've got like an assembly line. And it's all very organized which I thrive on, you know, that sort of stuff. And it was like, it was like God was like, okay, that's nice. You did a great job, but I'm going to show you something. Because <laughs> um, Oscar was over on the side, our youngest son, taking a picture. Each time they got a bag, they would hold it up. And then when we came back, we were able to give you all the picture of your student. And uh, everyone else is, you know, assembly line with these bags. So James and I are right up front. A student would come up and James would read the name. And then I gave them the bag. But what no one else knew was going on is that about every fifth student, he's leaning over to me and he's like, this one's mom died of AIDS last month. You know, and then another kid comes up, another kid comes up, and then he's like, oh, this one's mom remarried and the new dad doesn't want him. You know, and I'm, nobody knows this is going on. And I'm like, I literally, my knees buckled at one point and Hannah and Lori, I think, were the ones who caught me and they got a chair and uh, everybody made me sit down after that. But... I sat down and I just started bawling, which I never, I never, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's me, like a defense mechanism, or if it's something God has done. But in that moment, it was like, oh my gosh, these needs are, like, huge. Like, I can't even relate to this. And um, I, like, was hiding so the kids wouldn't see me. And James and Fred, our driver, were just looking, like, what's wrong with Auntie Nancy? <laughs> and I, like, pulled myself together. But, yeah, I, I never talk about that kind of stuff, but. Yeah. It's real. <laughs> the need is great. Um, yeah. You know, and, and uh, you know, we all have needs. You know, everybody has needs. But our greatest need is Jesus. Yes. And, and that's the number one thing that this is about. Mm -hmm. uh, these other things are great. And these other things are going to help these children hear and understand who Jesus is, that their life might be changed by knowing him. Um, and, uh, and for that, thank you so much for the work that you guys are doing. Uh, and I know that you have persevered through a lot uh, to be to this point uh, with the ministry. And uh, thank you, Bruce. And 
Uh, thank you to all the others that already helped support it. Uh, and uh, yeah, pray about it, think about it, uh, you know, talk to them about it. Maybe you're supposed to go, maybe you're supposed to, to, to sign up or whatever it is. Uh, and maybe you're sitting here today, maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've, maybe you've never trusted in Christ. Uh, you know, I would love to talk with you about that. I'm going to go out in the foyer as soon as we walk off stage while the band's playing. would love to talk with you, pray with you about what it looks like to know uh, Christ is your Savior. Uh, he loves you. He cares for you. Uh, he wants to change your life. He wants to make you new. Uh, he is the best thing, the most important thing that we could possibly ever have, uh, that relationship with him. So uh, why don't we pray? And uh, I want to pray for uh, Bruce and Nancy and the work that... Uh, uh, chosen with a mission is doing, and for uh, James, uh, Grace and Glory Chapel, and the school. Let's, let's pray together now. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity, Lord, that we have, uh, Lord, to come together today to be a part of something uh, so special, uh, Lord, that you have connected the dots with all of these people in different ways, uh, Lord, to do something in such a very special way. Um, God, it's, it's just you. It's what you do. It's amazing what you do. And God, uh, we thank you for allowing us to get to be a part of the story of, uh, of these kids and their lives. Lord, people like James, people like Bruce and Nancy, God, just I pray that you would continue to encourage them in the ministry that you have called them to. God, I pray, Lord, that you would use their work for your glory. God, may, may these children know who you are. May these teachers know who you are. May this area, this city, this, uh, this people group, Lord, know who you are. God, uh, save them. Lord, do, do that work. God, for whoever's sitting here listening right now online, God, that has never believed in you, trusted in you truly to be your Savior, not God, not just gone to church, but God, allowed you to change their life, make them new, God, and have a relationship with you. God, I pray, Lord, for them today. God, I pray that you would do the saving work that only you can do and what you did and through sending your son Jesus to die on the cross in our place to take the death that we deserve for our sin. God, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for salvation. God, do that work in the lives that need you. And God, thank you that we can come and glorify you today. We ask all this today in your son's name. Amen.